see like we do All the crisis they put us through Who's still crazy, soon is still dead We haven't seen the worst of it yet Lex, can you, can you tell me What is every man That book's for beginners Download a podcast Bad books for beginners Download the podcast Loading it down Loading it down Hello and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 170. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering are the Renee Montoya and Batwoman storyline of 52. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you for downloading and spending some of your time with us today. As Jerry said, we're looking at just a portion of the 52 trade paperbacks, specifically the plot and story threads that deal with the Batman-related characters Renee Montoya and the current Kate Kane incarnation of Batwoman, which was introduced in this series. In other words, these books and the story deals with many other characters of the DC Universe with their own story threads. This is not, I repeat, not a work that deals exclusively with Batman-related characters. However, Jerry and I will cover a specific part of it, those pertaining to Kate Kane and Renee Montoya. This may factor and weigh in on your decision if you wish to purchase this. 52, or a.k.a. 52. 52 Weeks is a massive work spread out over four trade paperback volumes. The first trade paperback volume was cover dated May 2007, and subsequent three volumes were cover dated bimonthly thereafter. Each volume was cover priced at $19.99. The first three volumes each had a whopping 304 pages, <laughs> yeah, and the last volume had 326 pages. Each volume reprinted 13 issues. Not all of the pages dealt with the story. Each volume had text pieces from the creators involved with respect to their thoughts, ideas, and reflections about the respective work and prior DC Comics stories that inspired it. There are also artist sketches and cover reproductions. Current online prices for hard copy editions appear to have appreciated by $10, making each volume setting you back about 30 bucks. However, Comixology appears to have this for just under the original cost of $19 and change, and used copies can be found cheaper through online vendors. These volumes reprint a comic series entitled 52, which was a 52-issue weekly maxi-series if you want to call it that. I don't know if I'd describe it with anything bigger verb than that, but it certainly fits here. Definitely. Yes. The first issue was cover dated May 2006. The individual issues were cover priced at $2.50. Now, if you're a Kate Kane Batwoman fan, the individual issues to look out for are 52, number 7, which was the first appearance of Kate Kane, and 52, number 11, the first appearance of her incarnation of Batwoman. I was surprised both issues didn't appear to be that expensive in the back issue market, at least not on MyComicShop.com, which had the issues in very fine condition, each for under $5. The original comic books did have a short Secret Origins feature spotlighting different characters that were not reprinted in the trade paperbacks, at least in the version that I read. 
Okay, now this was an odd and in my mind a weird, and aside from a few nice bits with some older characters, a perhaps forgettable moment in DC Comics, particularly looking back on it and where DC is now. That's just my initial opinion, and that's said with respect to all the creative team involved, especially with the talented writers assembled. These 52 issues dealt with a missing year, if you will, what happened after the events that culminated in a story arc called Infinite Crisis and bridged it into a period called One Year Later. 52 deals with a year where Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman weren't present in the DC Universe due to their own circumstances, the latter two going on a personal hiatus, and Superman not having his powers, if I recall. As I said, 52 doesn't exclusively deal with Batwoman and Renee Montoya. I'm not sure if any set of characters or arcs in 52 were more top-heavy than another. Certainly, I think there was a lot of Black Adam here. Quite a bit was also devoted to Lex Luthor, Booster Gold, Infinity Inc., Will Magnus, a character called Supernova, and also a plot line with Adam Strange, Animal Man, and Starfire in space. And we also had yeah, John Henry Iron's Steel character. Now, one of my favorite side story arcs dealt with Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, who was also with Dr. Fate and the Spectre, and it was a nice postscript from the Identity Crisis story. I don't think there was an even distribution in arcs. I'd say that the Black Adam, Booster Gold, and Lex Luthor material had much, much more of a presence here than the Batwoman and Renee Montoya stuff. For our creative team, and there is a bunch, I'm going to go off my memory and some online resources. For the writers alone, we had Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade, and Keith Giffen, who also did the layouts. Jeff Johns is 44. He was born in Detroit. Johns broke into comics around the year 2000. He pitched the Stars and Stripes series, which introduced the current version of the Star Spangled Girl. This led him to working on the JSA title, and subsequently The Flash. Quite a number of writing credits followed. In the year 2010, he became president and chief creative officer of DC Comics, and he's had a hand in the projects in television and film. Grant Morrison is 57. He's from Scotland. I first encountered his work in the late 1980s with the outstanding Animal Man title, which I highly recommend. He also worked on Doom Patrol and the Arkham Asylum graphic novel. He's also worked on X-Men the All-Star Superman title, and in around 2006, he reintroduced, and your like or dislike may be inserted here, <laughs> the Damian Wayne character. Yeah. Yes, Morrison also had written for screen and stage. Greg Waka is a fan favorite. He's been mentioned on our show before. He's a three-time Eisner Award winner. We also had Mark Wade. I'll call him the comic book writer's writer. He loves the Silver Age stuff. He's 55. His past credits include Captain America, Daredevil, and The Flash, and the prestige format DC work Kingdom Come, which had artwork from Alice Ross. Yeah, he's also done numerous works, including Spider-Man, and presently he's writing the Archie comic book title, which I'm currently reading. Yay, Archie. Yay, Archie, yeah, yeah. We had a spoiler alert, we have Betty got in a car accident. She's, uh, I think, uh, paralyzed with her legs, and uh, they, they want to say I think Reggie's was responsible. But no, it's all very interesting stuff over in Archie. If you know, and you know, Archie, you know, for what it is, hey, it's 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 an interesting read. Yeah. Yeah, all the Mark Wade stuff I find is very good stuff, and I'd say you pretty much can't go wrong reading if you've read something that this guy's written. Good, great, great stuff. Okay, now rounding out, we also had Keith Giffen. I think he's our oldest member of the group. He's 64, and as you may think, if he's the oldest, I might have encountered his work first, and yes, I did. Uh, I was much younger when I ran into him before the aforementioned creators. He co-created Rocket Raccoon with Bill Mantlo for Marvel in 1976. I first encountered Keith Giffen, though, in the early to mid-1980s with the Ambush Bug 
a character, a character that seemed to break the fourth wall and spoofed a lot of the DC comics and tropes of that time, plus some of the stuff in the Silver Age. He also created the character Lobo in the Omega Men title, and he did an outstanding work on the Legion of Superheroes in the 1980s, including a story arc called The Great Darkness Saga, a story I'd highly recommend. Okay, now with that many writers involved, you'd suspect that there would be a lot of artists here, and you'd be correct. Now, due to the interest and time and content of our show, I'm just going to give them a mention here. We had Joe Bennett, Chris Batista, Eddie Barrows, Todd Nock, Keith Giffen, Rui Jose, Jack Jadson, Derek Robertson, Ken Lashley, Phil Jimenez, Dan Jurgens, Justiano, Mike McCone, Jamal Eigel, and Deal Eaglesham. Whew, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now, let's see. Uh, uh, C.G. Jones did the covers on this. He also did work subsequently later on Batwoman. And Alex Sinclair did the colors. And boy, forgive me, I've likely left out a lot of names with respect to the artwork in this title. Okay. Now, while being an ambitious and an impressive undertaking... This was not DC Comics' first foray into doing a weekly title. From May of 1988 to March of 1989, DC Comics Action Comics became Action Comics Weekly. Mm. Yes, Superman still appeared in the title, but he appeared in a serialized story that was just limited to a two-page centerfold. The title also rotated other characters and story features, with chapters spreading out over the course of a certain amount of issues. Some of the other characters appearing were, but not limited to, Black Canary, Green Lantern, Nightwing, Dead Man, Catwoman, The Phantom Lady, Wild Dog, and an incarnation of the group, The Secret Six. Yeah, now all of this, all of these different uh, titles or characters or groupings had uh, were spotlighted on the cover at one point or another. And though Superman got a bit of the short shrift with the content, I really did enjoy the concept of this title when I read it when it came out. However, I found the quality of the artwork and writing just to be a bit all over the place at times, though. Further, it seemed that each character's stories had different chapter lengths. So if you're buying this title just for one or two characters, you might have got stuck buying an extra issue just to get the concluding chapter. Now, as current Batman fans know, DC Comics also came out with a weekly comic series called Batman Eternal, followed up by Batman and Robin Eternal, the former running for a year and the latter just for six months. Okay, with respect to 52, most of the online reviews I saw were favorable toward each volume. I'd say the average score looks to be a healthy four to four and a half out of five stars. Before I turn it back over to Jerry, I'm going to have to commend him and give him props up front for doing this particular plot summary, listeners. (laughs) This is perhaps the most difficult one he's had to do for our show so far, as he's just had to focus on the Batwoman and Renee Montoya parts through a story that's over 1,200, yes, you heard right, 1,200 pages for you, the listener. Yes. So, Jerry, thank you, and back to you. You're welcome. Thanks, Chris. Great summary. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We 
hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Welcome back. So, let's get into Renee and Kate's story in 52. A mysterious man with no face gives drunken ex-police officer Renee Montoya a lot of money to stake out a building and report any activity there. Renee is on the stakeout when she sees a figure enter. She follows and is joined by the faceless man. The pair fall through a trapdoor into the basement where they meet a lizard monster man in a trench coat. They fight. Renee's arm is broken, and Renee evaporates the creature with a gun that she found in the basement. Renee wonders what's up with that building, and realizes it's owned by the family of her former lover, Kate Kane. She visits the Kane mansion and confronts Kate about the ownership of the building. The two bicker, and Kate kicks her out. Renee meets a man in a lesbian bar who turns out to be the faceless man, now with a face, and calling himself Charlie. Charlie has a device in his belt that allows him to disappear his face. Charlie tells Renee that the creature that attacked them in the basement and the space-aged weapon were part of an invasion of Gotham City by Intergang. As the two walk the Gotham alleyways, a winged figure follows and spies them from the rooftop. It is Kate Kane, or Batwoman. Mm. Yeah. Later, during the day, Renee and Charlie are talking in the park when Kate approaches them. She confirms that her family does own that building, but it was rented to a company called Ridge Ferrick Holding. Kate wants more information, but the two fight, and Renee dismisses Kate. Ridge Ferrick Holding is a front for Intergang and run by Whisper Adair, who has a bodyguard named Abbott. If the pair are in Gotham, they would consider it confirmation that Intergang is on the move. They break into an Intergang office building and overhear some people talk about getting a shipment from Kandak. They are attacked by a giant wolf who is a pet of Whisper Adair. The wolf turns into Abbott. Renee finds herself unable to resist giving up her name to the fork-tongue whisper. Faceless and Renee are about to be killed by the animal minions when the lights go out, and Batwoman flies in and defeats the giant creatures. Renee recognizes Batwoman as Kate. Batwoman leaves the scene superhero style through the window. Charlie and Renee decide to go to the city of Sharuta in Kandak, ruled by Black Adam. Renee and Charlie get a line on the shady business in the Sharuta Temple District. As they search the city of Sharuta, they are being followed. They go to a possible location, break down the door, and find five dead bodies all torn apart. They also find empty boxes of rat poison. When they try to leave, they are arrested by the police under the authority of Black Adam. In prison, the pair are beaten. However, Charlie disappears and then reappears in time to beat up the guards and steal their keys so they can escape. The two are hiding out in the city and Renee realizes that Intergang is going to hit the wedding of Black Adam and Isis. 
The two stake out the wedding, and Rene points out that the rat poison they found with the dead men is used by suicide bombers as an anticoagulant, so their victims will bleed to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they see the potential bomber, a young woman holding a backpack, and Rene kills her. Black Adam gives Charlie a medal for saving the day, but is angry that Rene isn't there. Renee is upset that she had to kill the young woman and is drowning her sorrows with drink and in bed with a woman. Black Adam confronts her and almost kills her. Charlie asks why they were trying to bomb the wedding and that intergang is the real enemy and must be stopped. Renee and Charlie tra- travel to Yemen where they watch as Whisper Adair performs a sort of ceremonial beating of Black Adam's wife's, Isis's brother. They are attacked by a creature and use the blaster weapon to fight off their attackers. Charlie grabs the ceremonial group. Black Adam and Isis arrive, beat up the bad guys, and heal Renee's wounds. Together, Black Adam and Isis heal her brother's wounds. The treatment turns her brother into the god Osiris. During the encounter, they call Charlie the Question. Ha! Mm-hmm. Their new super friends drop off Renee and Charlie in the Himalayas. The two are joined by Aristotle Rondor, or Tot, and Charlie's teacher, Richard Dragon. Richard teaches Renee things like fighting and understanding oneself. Charlie is coughing heavily, and Renee realizes that he is dying of cancer. They find that Intergang is like a religion that worships crime. The ceremonial book talks about the bringer of murder, the biblical Cain. Renee links Cain to Kate Cain from a picture in the book that looks very much like Batwoman and decides that she has to warn her ex-lover. Renee and Charlie go to Gotham and contact Batwoman. They tell her that she is prophesied to have her heart ripped out in three days. They go looking for the cult head, Bruno Mannheim. Charlie is dying and bedridden at Kate's high-rise apartment. Renee sits with him and meditates as Charlie used to. He is often delirious. Kate sees how much Renee cares for him. Also, they kiss. Kate fights several giant animal men looking for information on Mannheim. She gets some help from Nightwing. The two split up and each looks for Mannheim alone. Charlie is hospitalized and delirious. Renee decides to take him to the Himalayas to visit Dragon and Tot, leaving Kate behind to find Mannheim. Renee gets lost in the snowy mountains. Charlie eventually dies, and Renee is able to find Nanda Parbat and stays with the monks there for a while when Tot arrives. He has, he has her go to the ice caves to meet Richard Dragon, who continues her training. However, Renee can't face her fears enough to get the real internal training. She's finally able to look at herself reflected in the ice walls and meditates. The flower Isis gave Renee as a gift dies, and she knows that Isis too must be dead. Richard Dragon tells her to go and see for herself. He gives her special shampoo and clothes that will react to the binary gas, making her faceless like Charlie was. Renee arrives in Sheruta Kandak for the funeral of Isis. Black Adam, is, Black Adam is very upset and sends Renee home. 
Whisper Adair is trying to bring hellfire to Gotham, but the ceremony won't work without the death of what the book calls the twice-named Daughter of Cain. They realize that the picture in the crime Bible is Batwoman. Do some thinking and realize that Batwoman must be Kate Kane. She has two names, Batwoman and Kate Kane, just like the two named uh, in the, in, from the book. So they decide that they need to find and kill Kate to use her heart for the ceremony. Renee realizes this and arrives at Kate's penthouse and finds her gone and the apartment smashed. Nightwing arrives and says they are going to get her back. The two go all around Gotham looking for Bruno Mannheim while Kate is being prepared for the ceremony. Renee and Nightwing find a device that they think is kind of a bomb and one of the bad guys sets it off. Machines all across Gotham send up flaming beams into the sky and under the ground. Kate's heart is supposed to unite the flames and open the pit of hell so it will destroy Gotham, thus fulfilling prophecy. She will be sacrificed at dawn. They have to shut down all the devices across Gotham to stop the destruction. But instead, Renee puts on her question faceless mask and goes to save Kate. Renee arrives on the scene of the ceremony. There's where Bruno Mannheim is preparing Kate. Renee shoots Mannheim and sees that there is a knife in Kate's chest. Mannheim is able to get the gun and about to shoot Renee when Kate removes the knife from her chest and throws it into Bruno's back, killing him. Kate collapses and Renee goes to help her. The end. Ooh, applause, applause, applause. Yeah, quite a story. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Welcome back. So, Chris, what did you think about 52? Well, Jerry, first off, let me commend you for the excellent recap that you did on this. This was a real daunting task, Thank and you. I applaud you for it. I thought you did a great job with the summation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I thought we had great characterization, and the artwork is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Batwoman literally makes a splash here. I mean, I can't think of any other character that had a splash page when she's in action. She's leaping, she's kicking, mm-hmm. she's doing this. It was very dynamic. I really love the artwork. Uh, I'm torn whether liking Montoya as the question character or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've seen enough of her in this role to make an opinion, but the notion of this really, really intrigues me. I've always loved the Rene Montoya character, and I would look out for a trade called Batman GCPD that I think mm-hmm. focused on her. This was a four-issue miniseries. I really, really like the uh, depiction there. I think Bill Sienkiewicz might have handed in the artwork there. One thing I wondered, though, is this just too much to wade through getting to these elements of the story? I don't know if this was a beginner-friendly book. Yeah. I don't know if the characters beyond those of outside the Batman verse were compelling and interesting mm-hmm. enough just to go through four 300 plus page volumes. Jerry, yeah. what did you think? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, in terms of DC universe, I'm 
much more interested in the you know bat family you know renee montoya definitely is is i include in that kind of you know gotham universe and batwoman i love batwoman um i am much less of a fan of a lot of uh these other characters although elongated man i i do like him very much but some of the other plots this was this was very difficult for me to get through i I can go through it in a good story, like, you know, Identity Crisis, good story. Uh, Kingdom Come, terrific, terrific story. Um, uh, the New Frontier, terrific story, you know, that has more of the DC uh, cast of characters. But I didn't find that the non-Bat Family portions of this story kind of lived up to that uh, standard as, as those other ones. So I personally had a lot, a lot of trouble getting through... Um, a lot of these portions. However, that being said, I did enjoy the Renee Montoya piece very much. I think she has a really powerful character arc in here. She starts off, you know, kind of a drunken, you know, kicked off their left the force, um, you know, just really, uh, you know, self-involved and just, uh, just in a miserable place. And through her adventures here, she, re- you really see her grow. And as Kate sees, you see her really caring for Charlie. Uh, she really gets connected with him and, and helps nurse him through a very difficult time and goes through a lot of pain, bringing her, you know, through the freezing snow, you know, she goes all Shackleton style, you know, through the Himalayas and, uh, uh, it's. Yeah, I I thought that was really really interesting, and for that I I had a had a good time. Did you Did you find a similar thing? Pretty much. So I tried to be very generous with my thoughts and opinions going into this. We talked before the show. I think you might have mentioned that uh, this was something you had to digest and then revisit it later. I found myself doing the same thing, and I had frustration just trying to get back into. It. But after I stopped reading and then went back to it mm-hmm. for the sake of the story, this was a very, very daunting yeah. read. Uh, and I just don't know if it held up that well. I know I got these when they came out, and I think I almost enjoyed the little backup features more than the story. I mean, there is a lot going on here, and just to follow, you really, really have to love the DC Universe to – enjoy this and i just thought for a long time reader like myself and for yourself what what would a beginner think when would they would they choose this i just can't think that they'd, they'd want to tackle such such a big opus like this um when there's a lot of other stuff out there well let's go back to some of the other things we like what did you think of the artwork i, I really thought it was great yeah I, and particularly as you mentioned with the uh the batwoman stuff i mean she looks fantastic in in this art and that's a real real standout for me uh let's talk about bruno Mannheim. uh uh now gotham city has its share of crime bosses <laughs> did you think this was a uh Interesting character, interesting baddie for as far as uh, the ranks and likes of Gotham City goes. Um, I I really didn't feel that in this story that that was a um, that you know they spent a lot of time talking about him and looking for him, but I didn't feel like uh, he was much of a. I, I didn't particularly care for his characterization here. Yeah, was it more or less kind of uh, a typical gangster type thing that? Uh, 
you got, or maybe I, just for the violence side? I, I I did, and and you know they added the religious thing, um, which is a little bit interesting. But I just didn't feel here that you know uh, I, I didn't feel he was compelling. A, a just generic bad guy. Yeah, I had a couple more things in my notes. Um, just on a comment on the violence, as the past couple of podcasts, I've been looking at how violent the, the material we've been covering is. I don't think there was anything here that was that graphic. I, I think this is something that uh, it, it's suitable enough for kids. I don't think there was anything too over the top. There was one little bit, though, where we see a table, dinner table, and um, – Mannheim is holding court, and we've got a number of villains. I think uh, the ventriloquist was there. I think uh, the mime might have been one of the other villains there. And we see a kite man who looks like he's sprawled out. And I don't know if he had been killed or not or if he was just knocked unconscious. But we, as, as current readers of Batman know, uh, kite man was, was alive and well and had a big uh, presence in the uh, current jokes war of jokes and riddles. Yeah. But it looks like uh, – looks like uh, our poor fellow Charlie Brown is deceased in this book, oh. and I don't know if if, he, if that was just uh, revived or if something happened, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm trying to see what more I had on my notes on this. I, I really didn't have a lot. I just thought the, the what we had of, of Renee was really good. Well, let me ask you this, Jerry. Do you Did you like Renee as the question? It, if if you, she stayed with this identity and as this character would this be something you'd want to follow on a regular basis yeah i would i like renee and i think that uh even you know just reading this story i really felt that that character arc really made her come alive and seeing her from you know looking at the beginning where she's just this kind of down and out you know detective taking any money she can on the stakeout and and eventually growing into the question and I, I, that really resonated for me. That that was a character arc that made sense to me, and I really like seeing. Um, so I think uh, you know I, I'm not a big you know fan of uh, you know the older question in particular. That whole objectivism thing uh, kind of yeah. was a little thin for me. Sure, the Vic the Vic Sage Steve Vicko stuff you're yeah. referring to. Yes, yep. yeah. So, uh, but here I, I like her, and I think that this is uh, this is a good. Uh, I, I really like seeing her. You know, gearing up in question gear and uh, doing your thing. Absolutely, I, I really like the Renee Montoya character. Now, a lot of times, you know, we look at the Batman animated series for launching Harley Quinn and bringing her into the mainstream DCU. But you know, I keep forgetting that yeah, she was a character I think that was just introduced for the animated series, mm. and like Harley Quinn, she was brought over to the comics. Uh, I think she first appeared in Batman four seventy five. If anybody is a nice. Uh, Renee Montoya fan, that's an issue to look out for. But yeah, what a great character. Uh, you know, this paired with Harvey Bullock, and you think, well, you know, she's just just a cop, you know. But no, there's there's a lot of depth to this character. I really like her. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So do you have anything more you want to talk about about this story? No, I think I got all my thoughts out there. Uh, I think this is the part where you ask me if uh, <laughs> how I would rate it. Now, Jerry, yeah. you know, for, for just this stuff alone, I would rate it a three. That said, would I recommend it? I, I almost have to say no, mm. because 
there there is just uh it's a good story but i just can't know if it's worth the price if you can find it for insanely cheap i say go for it but i think you can find other worthwhile batwoman material and renee montoya stuff out there this is this is quite an investment if you're trying to get this just specifically for these characters Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i would when i originally read this arc i would have given it a three i think in the interim i would raise just just the renee montoya and batwoman portion to a three and a half um in terms of uh just because i like i I like the the character arc and i do like both of these characters very much but on a book as a whole i don't know i don't i've never been able to read all the way through it so I cannot say it's a must read. Sure. Um, if maybe if somebody has pulled these pages um, about these characters out of the book and stapled them together and selling them on eBay, maybe that's a great way to go about it. But uh, otherwise, I would I would have a hard time recommending this story unless you are just an absolute diehard Renee Montoya or Batwoman fan and really want to see um, a real important part of their origin. Otherwise, I would not recommend it. I agree. I agree absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. So now, as longtime listeners of our podcast know, uh, Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net family of podcasts. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some other great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, and many, many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. You can find a link to the Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris, awesome. yeah, it is awesome. It's a it's a terrific site with some and it and the content is getting better and better and better as we go. There's some really great stuff out there, and I encourage you if you're a comic book fan, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net and re- see the podcasts and even the flat reviews and the and the uh, features are really terrific. I I recommend them highly. I second that. There's a lot of new talent over there. We got yeah. some great writers and a great staff. It's just been phenomenal and i've been really impressed with everybody's contributions of late it's just been outstanding definitely agreed now chris we can see you on twitter can't we what's your yes how do we find you thank you so much jerry i can be found on twitter at bto and bad books that's Mm -hmm. at bto and bad books over there generally i for october i've been tweeting like a uh, halloween inspired cover Uh of the day Uh so i I hope people are getting thank you so much and i also do a a saturday morning salute where i take a tv listing of your and uh just post something (laughs) regards to that uh you know, whatever inspires me. I'm trying to think what other things I really do. Uh, my weekend nightstand reads, uh, some uh, other stuff, and just having some nice exchanges. I've gotten some new yeah. followers, and uh, I've been following back. And boy, oh boy, there's been a lot of fans. So thank you very much for for those who uh, just got on board with me and finding me and me finding you. Mm-hmm. Been ha- having a great time with it. We also. Uh, do some other things, but before I get there, I got to give a plug to my partner. Listeners, <laughs> ah. find you on Twitter. Uh, that's a good question. If you're out on Twitter, you can find me at Professor Frenzy. So out there, I cover. I do some comic book reviews. I cover some uh, of my favorite DC books. I do some Dark Shadows stuff, and uh, Chris and I both we live treat uh, live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Spengoolie, which we both enjoy. 
Yes, that's on Saturday nights. Yes, uh, you can catch that at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. I think that's 8 p.m. on the West Coast. But boy, oh boy, there's just been a large group. Uh, just been some great stuff of late. Some nice color prints of some new movies. Uh, just been a lot of fun. Yep. Just it, really enjoying it. It's It's been a great time. It's been a great time. So uh, we, we also have a lot of friends out there that we've been uh, talking with. We have uh, – we've been – I've been personally listening to The Cosmic Treadmill. Where, awesome podcast. Uh, really great podcast. Where Chris Sheehan, who you can see at Twitter at Ace Comics, and uh, Reggie Reggie – that's at Reggie Reggie on, on Twitter. And they discuss classic comics. And it's just so much fun to listen to. And whether you like the comic they're covering or not, don't let that hold you up. I just listened to a uh, – a really entertaining uh, old Plastic Man comic review they did. <laughs> that oh, was, yeah. That was so great. That was a fun episode. Yeah, it sure was. And, of course, uh, we also uh, have to give a shout-out to the Sutherlands, uh, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, who do Warlord World, Xenozoic Xenophiles, and Trekker Talk. So we did uh, recently did a show with them uh, uh, on Batman Mask, which we had a great time doing. Yeah, and we also got some new uh, followers from that show, so we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I also want to give a special shout-out to Stephanie Mounts. So, Stephanie Mounts, if you're listening, thank you so much. Now, over on the TBU website, she commented on the TBU Comics podcast that she's, quote, been plowing through bad books for beginners, and (laughs) I plan on tackling some others after it's all been really great, unquote. Thank you so much, Stephanie. We really appreciate it. She says she's getting into comics for the first time since July of this year. So welcome aboard, and thank you very much for listening. Yeah. That's awesome. That's we hope you find our show useful and you're enjoying it. I also want to give another nice shout-out to Longbox Crusade at yeah. Longbox Crusade on Twitter. They said they've been binge-listening to us. Thank you so much. <laughs> they do a fine show, so be sure to check them out. We also had likes and retweets from Paul Shanley at Paul Shanley at Reggie Reggie, the aforementioned, the aforementioned Chris Shanley at Ace Comics. Also heard from Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13. Got a new uh, like from Sandra Fernandez at Bat... Yes, at Batgirl underscore Sander 4. Thank you so much, Sander. Appreciate that. Also heard from Dracula Murder Grant. Nice. (laughs) Yes, that's a.k.a. Donovan Morgan Grant. Shout out to Donovan. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's been sort of changing their identities on Twitter for for the month of uh, October. I appreciate that. I got to do that. I can't think of anything that I could effortly switch my handle to but i'm working on it so thank you donovan donovan's at dono dmg1 of course uh the aforementioned Sutherlands at Warler world also another new like we also had links woods at links underscore woods uh some of our old friends mark at i'm the gun mm-hmm. clinton at o- clinton yes clinton <laughs> roberson over at, at coffee comics blog thank you so much clinton the sutherlands again can be found at rad adventures at rad underscore adventures and of course thank you so much to the batman universe at the batman universe who also gave us a like now if you did give us a like and if i somehow which is conceivably possible that i overlooked you or we overlooked you be sure to contact me or jerry and we'll be sure to mention you on our next show thank you very much definitely thanks everybody that's terrific so that's all we have for today Please join us in a couple of weeks when Chris and I will be covering Robin Wanted. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. Thank you for listening to Bet Books for Beginners. I don't know why I love them DC like we do. All the crisis they put us through. Still crazy, super still dead. We haven't seen the worst of it yet. Lex, can you 
can you tell me what is every man? That book's for beginners. Download a podcast. That book's for beginners. Download the podcast. Loading it down. Loading it down.